this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. We trust that you will enjoy today's message and that it will encourage you to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ our Savior. I want to ask you a question. Yeah, what are you? What are the signs of the times that we are living in at the moment? I don't know about you, whether you believe Jesus or you don't believe Jesus. That that I'm sure all of us and every person that's alive and that's a South African at the moment is thinking, what is happening at the moment? Isn't that so? What, what is going on? What what are the signs of the times? What what is God up to? And and what are we supposed to be up to as Christians? What are what is what is happening? I mean, what must be happening in the spirit right now? I don't know if you've thought about that, and I think it, it applies to whether you know Jesus, whether you love Jesus, or whether you're even against Jesus. I think every single person is asking this question, waking up every day, wondering what the next day holds, and what the next day holds, and what, what's next year going to have in store for our nation, and even for us as South Africans. And so th- this morning, I, wanna, I want to I wanna challenge our hearts a little bit this morning. So, so I trust, are you, have you got your seatbelt on this morning? Don't run away, please. Um, Trust that you will, you will hear what the Lord wants to say to you this morning. Because I really believe God wants to speak to our hearts, and He's, he's already started, and He's started with the men. And so I'm just going to continue a little bit as to what I think God has been saying to, to the men this weekend. I really believe He wants to speak to us this morning. Because in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is speaking to His disciples, and He's talking about the end times. He's talking about, and the disciples are saying, but Jesus, what's gonna, what, is, what is it going to look like when you come back? When you come back, what, 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 how are we going to know when you come back? Because we want to know when you're coming back, Jesus. Because you say you, you're going now and, and you're going to come back, but what, what are the end times going to look like? And how long is it going to be? Thousands of years or a couple of years? Or What, what are we going to, how are we going to know? You know? And I guess they were all control freaks like all of us. You know, they want to know, they want to know, they want to know. And Jesus kind of gives them a little bit of insight into, into what it's going to be like just before he comes back. What are, what are the signs of the times going to look like? But I want to ask you this morning, before I get into this, I just felt the Lord prompting me to ask you, you know, are you really excited about Jesus coming back? And do you want Jesus to come back like, you know, off, just after the service? Imagine if Jesus can come back just after the service or, or tomorrow morning before you go to work. Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> Some people don't really like their work in this place any. They're not so excited about <laughs> But I think I think we've got to ask ourselves, are we really excited or do we still want to get married? Any unmarried in the in the house this, this morning? Do you, do you still want to get married or or do you still want to have lots of kids or do you still want to have a successful job, successful career, make lots of money or or do you really want Jesus to come back before you've achieved certain things in your life? How, how excited are you about Jesus coming back? How are you excited about meeting Him face to face? Because, you know, we sing these songs, Maranatha, you know, Jesus come. We, but th- th- does it reflect in, in, in how we live our lives? Does it really reflect in, in, in what our actions and, and in our priorities demonstrate? And, and so in, in, in chapter 24, Jesus is talking and He's saying to His disciples, listen, yeah, there's going to be lots of wars. There's going to be stuff happening. There's going to be incredible challenging times for for, for believers and unbelievers alike, and, and, and it's gonna be it's gonna be tough, but but don't stress, don't don't worry. These things must happen. 
And then in verse 10, he, and I'm going to just focus on these few verses this morning and, and just look, at, look a little bit as to, as to what I believe the Lord wants to say to us this morning. And he says in verse 10, and then many will be offended. So there's massive challenge, there's wars and rumors of wars and nation against nation and all that stuff, kingdom against kingdom. It, it's really hectic stuff. But then what's even more hectic is he says, and then many will be offended and they will betray one another and will hate one another. And many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And I want to say this morning, don't think that you are not prone to this. Amen. Because he's talking about everyone here. He's not talking about Christians or non-Christians. He's just saying that many will be offended. Many will be offended, will betray, will hate. False prophets will rise up and deceive many. And I think we're seeing these signs in a certain way. I think it's still going to be massive. I don't think we, we, the end is, is quite here yet. I think we're going to still see a lot of this stuff happening. But, but, but what I believe is, is really challenging is he says, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. There will be an increase in lawlessness. And then I think what, what really is the worst of the worst, I believe, of these end times is that the love of many will grow cold. You know, there's, 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 more thing, or wor- there's nothing worse than, than eating cold food that's supposed to be hot, isn't it so? Or there's nothing worse than drinking cold coffee. Ask Orkert and the coffee guys, you know, you've got to have a hot cup of coffee. Cold coffee's terrible. Cold food is terrible. M- my grandmother must have understood this because when I was visiting her when she was still alive, she lived in Bloemfontein. I went to do holiday work many years ago and I li- lived with them for three weeks. And so one night I was a bit distracted in and out with the phone and they were eating supper and they said, look, we'll just heat your food up. And then so she heated my food up and as soon as I got to sit at the table, there my phone was ringing again and so I had to go and chat on the phone and so my food cooled down and she heated it up again. About three or four times this food was heated up in the micro. I'm just saying, Grand, I, I don't need hot food. It's just okay. No, 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 you've got to have your food hot. So my food wasn't very nice after being heated up and down for, for three or four times in the microwave. But anyway, I ate the food eventually. But I think she understood something that certain things are not supposed to be cold. <laughs> Coffee is not supposed to be cold. And I think the love that we have for God and the love that we have for one another should never grow cold. It's like a good cup of coffee. It should be hot. Sounds like I'm talking to newlyweds here when I talk about love should be hot. Okay, But, but I'm not only talking about that tonight, this morning. I'm talking about the love that we have for God. Our wholehearted worship toward God is supposed to not grow cold. Amen. And I think out of that wholehearted worship, out of that love for God that is always hot, that is always... Passionate. I think the same thing should be our love for people. We should have compassionate hearts. We should love people with such compassion, just like Jesus loved people. Amen. And so that's what I want to talk about. The great commandment and the great commission is very simple. Love God and love people. But do not let your love grow cold. So this morning, I want to look at this. I want to look at why, why does our love grow cold? The Bible says when lawlessness abounds, love will grow cold. It's like it's going to happen. If lawlessness increases, love is going to grow cold. That, that's the first thing that's going to happen. So I want to look at our hearts this morning because love here is not referring to a feeling. It's referring to an agape love, a sacrificial love, an unconditional love that goes beyond our emotions, our circumstances, even ourselves. It's a love that only Jesus Christ can give to us because we do not have this in ourselves. Amen. We do not have this love that, because our love does grow cold. Let's be honest, our love does grow cold, but, 
the good news this morning is that Jesus continues in chapter 13 and he says, But he who endures to the end shall be saved. I believe this enduring to the end refers to this enduring love that does not grow cold, this, this passion to persevere, the endure, the, the Greek word hupomeno means to stay behind or under or to persevere. I believe it means to continue in the love of Christ and let the love actually not, not grow cold but actually increase. That as times go by and as times get tough and as times go on and the end times grow closer, I believe our love should actually grow hotter and hotter towards Christ and towards His people. I believe that love that, 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 that endures to the end is, is or, or that relationship that endures to the end will not fall for offense, will not become hate, hating of people or even of God, will not betray one another or deceive one another. Any form of lawlessness, there's no place for that for those who endure to the end and will be saved ultimately. And then he goes on and says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. So I'm excited about Jesus coming back, but I realize that I have got a, I've got a responsibility. I need to endure and I need to continue in this love of Christ. And I need to let Christ, Christ help me to grow in my love for Him and my love for other people so that He can come back. And ultimately the good news is we don't determine when God comes back. We can do all we want to and strive and get lots of people saved. That's not going to determine whether Jesus comes back. God knows when He's coming back. But I believe we have a responsibility. And so I want to look this morning at this thing of lawlessness because I think we're seeing it all over the place. We're seeing this lawlessness just abounding and I don't think it's even, I think we think it's great. It can, it can be much greater. I, th- I think we still live in a fairly, you know, there's still a lot of boundaries. There's still a lot of law happening and yes, there's a lot of un, you know, lawlessness happening, but I don't think it, I, th- I think it can get greater. But I think it is starting to infiltrate the church as well. I think it's infiltrating young people. When, when, you know, we're working with students there in Bloemfontein, it's, it's really interesting working with students because they are up and down and they're emotional and they come from different backgrounds. And you know, to 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 guide them is a challenge. You know, we need the love of Christ to guide these these amazing, passionate people, but sometimes also very volatile people. And even ourselves, we have to look at ourselves. Aren't we just a, a lawless generation? Aren't we just a, a lawless people? who are born in sin and yes, saved by the grace of God, but we are continuing to be saved by the grace of God. And just as Marlene shared, you know, it's not just about getting saved or being born again. It's about living in this relationship, this freedom that Christ brings. And so I want to look at that. I want to, I want to talk to, if you're an unbeliever here this morning, if you don't believe, then just stay with me because I want you to search your heart. But if you're a believer, I really want you also to search your heart and don't think that you're not prone to this because it could happen to you or maybe it's even happening to you. Maybe you're wrestling with it right now in your heart. What is lawlessness? 1 John 3 verse 4 says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. And then John writes, Sin is lawlessness. So many times we think of lawlessness as out there and the people who are disobeying the law and all of that. But why do people disobey the law? Why is South Africa like it is? Because hearts have not been changed and continue to be changed. There's a nice definition here. Sin is the, is the lack of submission to divine authority. Sin is disobedience to the express command of God. See, sin started right at the beginning when Adam and Eve Two sinful people born in sin, or, or sorry, not sinful people at the time, but they were given a choice and they disobeyed God and they became sinful people. And so guess what? All of us 
or unfortunately born in sin. So even though we've been saved, we are not exempt from sinning. And I'm talking here about the continuous practice of sin. I'm not just talking about your nature. If you have a changed nature yet today, then praise the Lord, you are changed. But even if we've got a changed nature, there's certain stuff in our lives that we seem to just continue doing and we know it's sin. We know it's not right. So this morning, there's a little bit of a, a challenge this morning. There is a bit of bad news, but you know, I want to end with good news. So turn to someone next to you and shake them and say, there's good news coming. <laughs> now everyone's excited again. <laughs> but I want you to search your heart. Because sin is not just about doing bad things. Sin is an attitude of the heart. And 2 Timothy 3 says the following, In the, the last days, perilous times will come. Listen to this. Perilous times will come. And this is not about persecution necessarily or all this stuff. I believe the perilous times are when this happens. Men will become lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Boasters. Proud. Blasphemers. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Unholy. Unloving. Unforgiving. Slanderers without self-control. It's like, Timothy, stop. Or Paul, just stop writing, please. Don't want to read this anymore. It's like getting worse and worse. Without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And Paul says to Timothy, these people are actually so bad that you must turn away from them. That's like really bad. eh? Aren't we supposed to love all people? I believe he's saying that that these people are so bad that that, that there's probably not a chance that they're going to even turn back, so just turn away from them. I don't, I don't believe God wants us to ever get like this, but I believe we've got to search our hearts that aren't there some of these things? And I think, I, I definitely think all of us do not have all of these things. If, I guess we wouldn't be sitting here if we had all of these things. But I guess there's lots of people out there, or there are maybe people that have all of these sins that are still part of them. But I want you to look at your heart this morning and see, isn't there some that, 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 I, that I maybe have here? Isn't there a, a slight love of money that I have or just a little bit of a love of self? You know, I love God, but, but I, you know, I love myself so much. You know, I, I do CrossFit in German. I like to see how cool my body looks and, you know, I'm, I'm fit and strong and I, and I look good. I've got the hairstyle and, I, yeah, I love myself, you know. Or, or maybe a little bit unthankful at times or, or even disobedient to parents if you're a young person, yeah, you're still in your parents' house. Or maybe you... You know, blaspheme from time to time, or you, you, know, you don't have that self-control, you, you're slandering, you're unforgiving at times, you're unloving. I guess this talks about all of us. All of us have some of this in our lives that God wants to, to change. Amen. Because that is, that is lawlessness, that is, that is sin. Some of us struggle with these things. And so we can go on and on and, and talk about all these things, but I just believe God wants to highlight in your heart what, what, what is in your heart still. What does he want to change? Matthew seven twenty two to 23. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we done many, many wonders in your name? Don't we see this happening? Signs and wonders are like the order of the day. You know, if you, if you don't see signs and wonders, you know, you're not a Christian. Oh, we've got to run after signs and wonders. We've got to cast out demons. We've got to do all this stuff. And, and it's, it's not bad, but... But Jesus says, and then I will declare to them, this is scary, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Here's that word again. So, so do we really know Jesus? Or are we after all the other stuff? Are we after the outward stuff? And he's saying to all of us, I didn't know you. 
There's a lot of amazing things happening in the world today. But only, only those who know Jesus and are known by him will enter heaven one day. Does Jesus know you? Do you allow him to, to get to know you? Are you seeking after him? Just know this morning that you know what? I love to say this. is More than you are seeking after him, he is seeking after you. Why? Because he wants to get to know you. He already knows you, but he, he wants a relationship. So only God knows what is really in the heart of every person. But we know that lawlessness is increasing. So what is God's plan? I believe God wants to do this this morning. I, this is just my introduction. I believe God wants to cleanse us as his body. Amen. I believe he really wants to cleanse us. And I think it started this weekend with the men's camp. That, that is so awesome. But God wants to cleanse every single person from all forms of lawlessness. And he wants to start here. Amen. Because, you know, we can judge the world out there and we can say, sure, God, do something out there. But do something yeah, first, Lord. Do something in our hearts first. Because judgment starts at the house of God. And it's a good thing. God cleanse us, change us, save us, Lord. You know, when, when, I got, so when I gave my life to the Lord, you know, I thought I was fine. You know, before I gave my life to the Lord, I thought I was a good person. I really thought I was fine. I was 15 years old. I was standing at seven I grew up in a, in a home where, you know, we did the church thing and the traditional thing and the religious thing. And we all thought we were fine. You know, no one talked about being changed. No one talked about sin and, and Jesus, the gospel. I, I never heard the gospel. You know, we, we all knew that Jesus did something for the whole world, but it wasn't real for me. So I thought I grew up thinking, you know, I'm fine. We're all good people. And my parents, to a certain degree, still think that. They're amazing people, I must say. They, 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 they like seem like they're saved, but... You know, they don't always confess that there's only one way to heaven because they still think they are the way to heaven, being a good person. So I, that's how I thought, you know. And then Peter Pollock and Trevor Goddard came to preach at our school. And I just and Peter Pollock said that something that I'll never forget. He said, if, if there's no change, there's no Jesus. And I was like, whoa, what, what change are you talking about? And he, and he preached the gospel. I didn't, I didn't give my life to the Lord there. There was probably many altar calls made. I don't know. I just remember God was starting to speak to me that you are not a good person. Then I read the scripture that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 or Romans 3.23. And then later Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. And I was like, whoa, I'm not a good person because I'm actually bad. No one is righteous. I cannot save myself. And so I had to give my life to Jesus. And I did it in my hostel bed on my own. No one prayed with me. I gave my life to Jesus. I felt the conviction. I waited for my birthday, 19th of March, 1992. Gave my life to Jesus Christ because I thought I was a good person and I realized the gospel is the only power unto salvation. But you know, when I think about my testimony, I think, you know, many times, even as a believer and as a Christian following Christ, many times in my own life, I realize, you know what, I still sometimes think that I'm a good person. That I can actually save myself even more. I can continue this process of sanctification, of being good and, and doing good stuff, and, and God is going to be pleased with that and, and save me more. You know, many times we can be in, so, in such control of our lives as believers. We can try to save ourselves. We, we give our lives to Christ and we get born again, but then, then we take back control and we, we say, try to save ourselves. We try to love people in our own strength. We try to pastor in our own strength. We try to lead people in our own strength. And God is saying to me at the moment, I just want you to realize that you need me more than I need you. You need me. And so this morning, I, 
I want to look at, at 2 Kings 23. I'm not going to go through the whole the scripture, but I want you to read it because I, I came across the scripture and it was like, yo, God, this is what you want to do in the church. The, the story is about a king, King Josiah. You know, King Josiah was, was eight years old. Any, any children, any people with children who are eight years old? Henny's daughter, any sons, any boys of eight years old, yeah. It's just girl. But anyway, just think if you have if you have a boy of eight years old and that boy becomes king. Imagine that boy become becoming the mayor of Johannesburg or even the, the president of, of this country. Imagine that. In Bloemfontein, I, I said that. I said, imagine because one there's one guy named Vian in our in our church, in our children's church. He's eight years old. So I said to the parents, imagine Vian becomes the, the, the premier of the free state. You know, everyone was like, Yes, you know, let, let's have that that would be amazing, you know. <laughs> Because the premier of the free state is not very popular, okay? He's not doing great things, okay? <laughs> so let's get Vian as the president of the, free, of the uh, premier of the free state. That, that would be great. But, but imagine, imagine Josiah, eight years old, he becomes king because his predecessors, you know, the guys who went before him didn't do such great things. So God kind of took them out. And so here he comes, and it says that Josiah was a man who followed God with everything in his heart. He, he, was, he was fully devoted to God, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He did not turn to the right or to the left. And so guess what? So he came into power, and then he sends the, the, the scribe to go and pay the money in the, in the temple and all of that, and to go and, to go and sort out the, the temple finances. And so the scribe goes and, and finds the high priest, and they go and pay the money to the people who have been working hard in the temple. And all of a sudden, when this is happening, they find the law again. It's like the law was lost. It, it was like, you know, the Bible that we have sometimes, it gets dusty. You know, it's somewhere in a locker or a drawer or maybe next to our bed and it kind of collects dust like that. I don't know if any of your Bibles look. I'm sure you guys are all holy and great. and so Your Bibles never get dusty. <laughs> Amen. But, but the, the, the law of the Lord was lost. And so, yeah, the law is found again. And he brings it to the king. The king reads the law and he just starts to repent and he says, what have we been doing? We're missing the law of God. We're missing God. And so he starts to make changes and he says, we have got to obey this word again. We have got to come back to God. And so he starts to make these radical changes throughout Israel and he, and he reforms it and he changes it. And we'll look at the things that he did just in, in terms of a list of stuff because it's, it's just so many. He, he made massive changes. And when I read this, I just thought, you know, when the law of, the, of God is neglected or put aside and other things get priority, guess what happens? Lawlessness abounds. You know, the law helps us not to be lawless. So when the law is put aside, when, when God's ways are put aside, then guess what? Lawlessness starts to come in. And this was a lawless place. And so Josiah, King Josiah had to start to cleanse the temple and he cleansed the whole nation. So what did he do? He restored true worship. He burnt the articles made for Baal. I've, I've put them up there as, as a, a long list. He removed the idolatrous priest. He burnt wooden, the wooden image of Asherah, the, the god of the sun that they worshipped. He tore down the perverted ritual booths. He broke down the high places. He burnt the chariots of the sun, broke down and crushed the altars. He defiled the places for pagan worship. He broke the sacred pillars in pieces, burnt the bones that were in tombs. He removed all the shrines executed priests, put away those who consulted the spiritists. He put away abominations. Yo, he did a lot of stuff. But he, he, got, he got the army mobilized and he got the people mobilized and said, listen, yeah, this is what the Word of God says. We have to restore true worship 
into this place, starting with the temple, where the temple is defiled, the temple has got prostitutes in it. It's just crazy how far we've moved away from the law of God. Amazing, King Josiah. See, all of these things, when I look at this list, I realize they represent any form of worship other than God and that is simply what lawlessness is. And so what is there in your life this morning that's, that's representing something else where you're worshiping something else other than the true God? You know, I'm, I'm a lion supporter, okay? So I, I love that the lions are just cooking at the moment, okay? So, so just, but don't worship the lions. Don't worship rugby. Don't worship sport. Don't worship success. Don't worship finances. Don't worship your spouse. Don't worship your kids. I read an awesome article this week from um, Francis Chan talking to parents and saying, don't, don't worship your kids. Take your kids on mission sometimes. Don't get so sucked up in, in your kids and, and having to stay at home and neglecting the mission of God. And I'm, I'm going to send it to our parents in our church because I really believe we become parents and then we start to worship our kids. Isn't that so? And so our kids determine where we're going to go, where we aren't going to go, and if we're going to follow Christ fully or, or not. Our jobs do it sometimes, <laughs> determine if we can have time for ministry. I was visiting a young working cell this week, and I said to the guy, I challenged him, I felt the Lord saying to me, listen, I just tell these guys, now when you're starting your career, just make time for ministry. Because if you get caught up with working 12 or 14 hours a day, you know, you're never going to have time for ministry. And God wants ministers. God wants everyone to be a minister. You heard the sermon from Henny a while ago. You know, it's not every mature member being a minister. Every member being a minister. Amen. I love that sermon he preached. It really challenged us and challenged our church. Because sometimes we have a mindset that no, 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 the pastors will do it. Or, or someone will minister, but God wants everyone to minister. But are our idols in our lives many times preventing us from, from doing the will of God and from even following God? Because we can get so caught up with other stuff. And you know, we think it's the lawless people out there that's the problem, but it's not the lawless people, it's, it's us in our hearts. We, we are the idols in our hearts. What are the stuff that God wants to start to cleanse? What are the cycles of sin that are, that are keeping you from, from God? You see, ultimately it just comes down to the worship of self. It, it's not about all these stuff. You can we look at these lists and say, Let, let's start to tick off a list. Have we put away the abominations? You know, have we, have we put away the sacred pillars of, do we have any medals on our walls that we must take down? You know, we can get all, all sort of legal about it and, and let, let's get all the outside stuff sorted, you know, tick the boxes like that. And yes, that was for the Old Testament, but I believe for our own lives, let's search our hearts. Where are the stuff in our hearts and where's even the stuff that we... You know, the, the, the talking behind other people's backs, the, the sins that don't necessarily are, are seen in the open or are displayed up on a wall somewhere or whether, you know, even our time, if we manage our time, we can start to measure it and see, okay, do we, do we spend so much time in God's presence? And that's cool. We can tick that box. But, but what about our hearts? What about when we have to shut our mouth sometimes when things are so frustrating and so, we're so angry and then we start to diss other people. We start to speak negatively about other people. Well, what about those type of things? What about that lawlessness that, that abounds many times in our own hearts? So ultimately, it, it comes down to the worship of self where even we think that we are such great Christians. Amen. Talking to myself here now, because this is what God is showing in my own heart. You're such a great pastor. You, you're just so amazing. Oh, we'll, we'll just do, I'll build this church. God, I can. 
You, you just help me, God, but I'll, I'll build this church. Or I'll lead these people. I'll disciple. I'll make disciples. I'll inspire people. I'll challenge people. Lord, I'll do it. know, And amen. Like a friend of mine also says in Stellenbosch. It's now, but it, it's true. See, our king wants to come and cleanse our hearts, and he wants to restore true worship in our hearts, and that the world can see, and that the gig can go out. And when we do a gig, and when we do God is great, we're really worshiping from a place where we know God. And he knows us, and he can trust us with his word. He can trust us with other people's lives. Matthew 24, it goes on at the end and it says, But as in the days of Noah, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking. Does that sound familiar? They were marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Isn't that so? Were the people really focused then? I don't, I don't think they had a clue as to what God was doing. They were laughing at Noah. It's like, it's like building an ark in the free state. Praise the Lord for the rain we've had. But it's like building an ark thinking we're going to have this massive sea there. You know, this place is going to be the new sea. You know, people are going to come here to go to the sea. Like building an ark in the free state. Like what, what are you doing, Noah? You are crazy. It rains like in the Cape. You know, go and build an ark there. But Noah was obedient to God and, and Noah was the one who was saved. They did not know until the flood came and took them all away, and so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. See, I believe we're living in in these days where we are sometimes ignorant of the signs of the times. Because we're going on with our own lives, and we're going on, and we're so busy, and we're doing a lot of stuff, and God just wants us to stop and say, just look at your own heart, because you know when I start to change one heart at a time, then I want to start changing a nation. Amen. So he wants to change your heart. He wants to just help you look so that you can be the minister of righteousness, that you can be the one telling other people, God is doing this in my life. You know what? He wants to do this in your life because I'm also a sinner in need of a Savior. I haven't arrived. I just need Jesus so much more. So I want to say, church, we need to, to know what God is doing. We need to wake up and, and you know, he, he wants to give birth through his church. He wants to do amazing things through his church. And I, you know, I believe he's going to do amazing things through this church. We can see it. There's, the trickle is, is happening. The trickle is happening. The flood is going to come. But are we ready for it? Are we ready for unbelievers? Are we ready for, for the masses that God wants to send? But, but sometimes, you know, we, we, we put people in boxes because of our own lawlessness. The lawlessness that's abounding in our own hearts. The idols in our own hearts. And sometimes we invite people just to come and enjoy our idols with us. And God said, I don't want to send an unbeliever to just go on worshiping another idol. I just, I just want them to know me. And so he's wanting to give birth through his church. And, and I think some of us are experiencing that, you know, that, that God is, there's birth pangs happening. God is wanting to give birth to something. I don't know, anyone experiencing that? Us pastors are, we, we know, we, we're not yet to build great churches. We just want God's kingdom to come. Amen, Henny. I, I can say that I'm, I, don't, I don't have to be a pastor. I just said, Lord, use me wherever. Sometimes I want to run away, to be honest. <laughs> Lord, thank you. The engineering environment sounds great. I'll come out to Joburg, get a nice job. No, no, no. You just shepherd the people. You just love people. You, you just keep seeing my kingdom come through, through my people. And that's what he wants for all of us. He wants all of us to, to see his kingdom come and to see his will be done on this earth. 
So I can carry on and on and on, but I, I trust the Holy Spirit will just look into your heart and cause you to look into your heart and see where is the stuff that, that God needs to just cleanse in your life. Where does, where does God want to, want to start to really move that lawlessness does not abound here, but that godliness and righteousness abounds here, that people will be drawn to it. Amen? Because you know what makes us different from the world? But when we start to be a holy and a separated and a chosen generation, you know what? Then we're going to proclaim the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into His light. And we're going to be a light to the nations. I've got good news to end off with this morning, okay? So, so just to tell someone that there's good news. Amen. <laughs> you know, we can, we can even receive conviction with joy. Amen. <laughs> Because it says if we say that we have fellowship with Him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And that's where many times I find myself, you know, we say we love God, and, but yet we still sometimes realize we walk in darkness and yeah, we, we, don't, yeah, we don't really have know Him. But then it says there's a solution. If we walk in the light, in other words, if we're honest with the fact that we are sinners and, and we do sometimes miss it, let's just confess our sins. And it's not about being sin-focused. And this morning I want to say it's not about being sin-focused or even self-focused. It's about being God-focused. Because, you know, that's what happens in the presence of God. We can either focus on ourselves and how great we are or how terrible we are or just how, how, how sinful we are. Or we can say, God, in your presence I see you. But then we, we, we do what Isaiah did, and we see God high and lifted up. And what does he do? He says, you know what? I want to touch your mouth because you are part of an unclean people. You're a man who comes from, you've got unclean lips, and I want to touch your lips. I want to change you. I want to, and you know, God didn't even say that. Isaiah just saw it and said, woe is me. When I see God's greatness and I see myself, woe is me. Lawlessness does abound in me sometimes, but God Save me, Jesus. And this, this is what it says. If we walk in the light as He's in the light, you know what? We can have fellowship with one another. And you know what's great about that is being honest in a small group or just with a bunch of guys. You know, I'm sure the guys experienced deliverance this, this weekend. Why? Because they were honest with each other and they thought, you know, I'm not the only sinner here. There's other sinners as well. I can be open. I don't have to be perfect. Amen? I'm surrounded by also people from unclean lips. And you know, we're all seeking Jesus and say, Jesus, save us. Touch us. Change us. And then you have that fellowship. You, haven't you experienced it in a small group at times when you've been there and people start to share, you know, and it's like, whoa, this is great. I start to love this guy more because he's also like me, just born in sin, needing Jesus. <laughs> I'll never forget Hester and I when we first got married. So we went to a married small group. Okay? So we had a hectic fight. It was out there on the way to the, what's it called? The Vane London, that, that, that complex outside Stellenbosch on the way to to Kyle's River or something like that. We, we had to drive quite far. So we had this hectic fight, like on the way to sell, okay? So and now she wants to get out the car, literally. It's like we're we like really upset with each other, okay? And so, so now I'm thinking, yeah, we're going to sell now, you know? So, so we have to, we've got a few minutes yet to put things right because we cannot go into the cell. I'm like a leader of the young working people in Stellenbosch. And so there's no ways I can look like this. My marriage is supposed to be working, you know? So blessed and awesome, you know? We never fight. We're like this godly couple. You know, you know how you think before you get married, you think you're going to be the best. You are so right for marriage. You're the best husband. <laughs> and then you just... Get confronted with this ruas boom for a fro, you know, like you know, you know, the cake not the And then and then it's like, whoa, you know, this person's not just gonna submit to your weaknesses, okay? She's gonna challenge you on some things and like thank you, Jesus, you know, for a wife. 
So now we're fighting, and so we're on the way to the small group, and like, and I'm thinking, no, we've got to sort this out. I'm so cross with her, and she's so cross with me, and we can hardly talk and everything. And so we stop at the door, and I'm like, like we're still fighting, and I'm thinking, let's just keep going. Now, to put on a face when you're really fighting like that is like quite difficult, okay? But but we we seem to have sort of got it right, and so we walk into the Hartley, Ryan and Stefani Hartley. It was their house, and Willem and Nicola Mayo were the cell, cell leaders. Some people might know them, but so we walk into the house, and then we like. Now, you know, you do the good greeting thing and you're all things are going fine and all that. So we sit and then, then Willem says, right, tonight we're going to talk about our marriages, you know, and, and like the, the conflict. <laughs> and, so, and so we're like, oh, okay, we're going to have to be open here. And so we started laughing and we just, we just couldn't hold it anymore. We, were the first, we just said, you know what, we've just had a massive fight on the way to sell and we just, we just need prayer. You know, we, we're really in disagreement now and all of that, but... And then, and then one by one, the couples just start to share the same thing. That not on the way to sell, but just in this week. And just people are, are having the same struggles. They're just hitting conflict after conflict, frustration after frustration. And, and God just delivered all of us there just because we were open. Amen. Just because we were honest. We, we're not perfect. We still need Jesus. And, and we can have fellowship with one another. And you know what? The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Tell someone next to you, all sin. So I want to say this morning, whatever sin there is in your life, whatever shortcoming, whatever thing that you're struggling with, if you can walk in the light with it, you know what? You're going to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, Noah's Ark of Salvation was a symbolic rescue act of the great rescue act that Jesus did for us. His own Ark of Salvation. And I'm just excited. The cross of Christ, as we were talking about it, but not only the cross, the fact that He's risen from the dead, the fact that He's overcome death and overcome every sin, and every bit of shame and guilt in your life. See, we need to be honest with ourselves, with each other, and with God, and walk in the light. And then in verse 8 it says, if we, have, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But, again, the good news. You know, I love the Word of God. It gives you the problem, because all of us, we, we're born in sin. We have a problem. We have a challenge. But it always gives the solution. You know, that's the Word of God throughout, from the beginning. There's a problem. And what does it end with? Jesus Christ, solution. So the, the solution is if we confess our sins, guys. Can I have an amen? <laughs> if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Say, all unrighteousness. I want to say this morning, let us not allow the lawlessness in our own lives even to distract us. But let's allow the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ cleanse us, to save us and cause us to endure to the end. Amen. Because I don't know about you, I want to be saved at the end. Because you know, it's not how you start a race. It's how you finish. Ask anyone who's finished a race. You're going to be marked on how you finished, okay? You can run the comrades in a great, uh, you can have a PB for 45 Ks or 50 Ks. But you need to finish the 90 Ks. So it doesn't help you being the best over halfway. Because no one remembers that guy. You might get a, a bit of money and a, some award, you know, because they have prizes for the first. So guys just run for the money, and then they drop out. Although, actually, they have to finish. Okay, but they finish in like 10 hours, but they've done the first 40Ks in double quick time. See, it's not about how we start. It's about how we finish. You endure us to the end. We'll be saved. And I want to say it's time to confess and to repent and to apply the blood of the Lamb to our lives. Because why Jesus wants to forgive us and cleanse us. 
Romans 6 verse 19, last two scriptures, I didn't put them up there, but don't present your members as slaves of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, but present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Present your members, present yourself as slaves of righteousness to holiness, not for lawlessness. Hebrews 1 verse 9, talking about Jesus, the writer says, you know, you, Jesus, have loved righteousness and you've hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with joy more than all of your companions. Isn't that amazing? And you know, righteousness brings a joy in our lives. When we stand righteous before God, when we are humbled and, and we say, Lord, cleanse us, we need your cleansing, we need you to deliver us, you know, it's the most freeing thing and it brings joy. It's not a, this heaviness and, oh, we're struggling with sin. Yes, we struggle with sin, but let's just be open. Let's just bring it to the Lord that he can anoint us with that joy just as Jesus was anointed because he loved righteousness and he hated lawlessness. I want to say this morning, we need to hate lawlessness. Not hate the people. But start to look at our own hearts and say, where is the lawlessness even abounding in my own life? Where is the, the sin, cycles of sin that I just struggle to get over? Where is the iniquity that I need to get deliverance of? And I want to say, this church has got courses. This church has got answers. This church doesn't have it all, but this church has got keys. That's why I love our, our body. I love our family show for Because, you know, I've been healed and delivered through a lot of this stuff. Not only through church services, that was just a part of it. But when you go to liberty and I want to, and legacy, legacy's coming up, I want to say, do it. Go and confess your sins there, go and repent, go and ask God to show you where the iniquities are, where the unrighteousness is that you have grown up in. That He can use you as an instrument of righteousness and not lawlessness. Amen. That's the incentive this morning, guys. That's I want to encourage you to, to see God with everything, but to allow Him to start to change your life every day. Day by day, and one day you'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful what I've told you and what I've shown you. You're not perfect, but yeah, enter in. Now you're perfect. When you see me face to face, now you're perfect. Come and enter into the joy of the Lord. It's nothing greater. Can we close our eyes and pray this morning? Lord, I just want to thank you that you come and highlight stuff in our lives. Lord, you are so faithful, Lord. You're so good. This morning, we like that song goes, you're a good, good father. This morning, Lord, we just want to stop and, and just look at our own lives, God. And we realize there's so much lawlessness going on outside of us and around us, Lord. But even within the body of Christ, even within your body, Lord, your bride, there's, there's still lawlessness happening, God. And maybe it's not abounding, Lord, right here, but... but but Lord, you know our hearts, God. And you know the fruit that comes from our lives, Lord. And there's much good fruit. There's lots of good stuff. But Lord, there's also stuff that you want to you cut off, Lord. There's certain branches you want to not only prune, Lord. You want to cut it away. You want to change us from the inside. Because Lord, we know that, Lord, our love for one another and our love for you grows cold, God, when lawlessness abounds. And we want to we love you more than anything else, Lord. We want to love people, God, with your heart, not with our hearts, Lord, because you said to us, you gave us a new commandment, Lord, that we don't love one another as we love ourselves, God, because some of us don't even love ourselves. Many of us don't like ourselves, but you said we must love other people as you loved us, Lord. And we thank you that your love is perfect this morning, God. Your love for us and for the world is perfect, Lord, but, but Lord, our response to you is not always perfect. Our response to you grows cold many times. God, we grow lukewarm. We we grow dispassionate, Lord. We get offended. We hate one another many times. We recognize that, Lord. 
And even the world out there, we judge the world so much, God, because we think we're righteous, we think we're perfect, we think we've arrived, Lord. You want to pour out that compassion in our hearts for the world, Lord. So we ask you to come and do that this morning, God, in our hearts. Come and cleanse us, God. We, we want to confess our sins. We want to be real with you this morning, God. We want you, Jesus, as the great King, Lord, just like King Uzziah did, Lord, and King Josiah did in the Old Testament. You are the only king that can come and cleanse our temples, God. There's no man that can do it, Lord. No pastor, Lord, no movement, no church can cleanse us. Only you, Jesus, can cleanse us, Lord. And even as church leaders this morning, God, I just realized, Lord, that we as leaders also need you to come and cleanse our lives, God. Cleanse our temples, God. So thank you, Jesus. Be the king this morning. Come and, like King Josiah, Lord, bring your armies, Lord, of angels with your perfect love and come to cast out all fear out of our lives, Lord, all guilt and all shame, God. Come and cleanse our temple this morning, God. We bring you our hearts right now.